0: Well, that's one way to spend a Saturday night. Sean Woodley here for another episode of Locked On Raptors to kick off your week. And we are digging into an absolutely ridiculous three-overtime win for your Toronto Raptors over the Miami Heat down in Miami on Saturday night. Vivek Jacob is here. We're going to talk about the Raptors' defense playing at levels that surely make Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster go wee! Also, we're going to dig into whether this kind of game forces the hand of the front office to make a move ahead of the deadline to help this team out. we got our due to the game to hand out, as we always do after a game as well. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Raptors.com's Vivek Jacob. Oh, because like, when I shot it, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part
1: of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1107 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 31st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Sean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can also find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, so please be sure to subscribe, follow, tell a friend, rate, review, etc. Plus, you can go to YouTube and subscribe over there. We're up over 1,500 subs on the Lockdown Raptors YouTube page. It's lovely to see all the people uh, helping to juice the stats, so thank you if you've done it already. If you have not yet, there is no time like the present, so please go and check it out. And a big thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day here on Lockdown Raptors. All right, let's dig into it. A truly bananas Raptors win over the dastardly Miami Heat down in Miami on Saturday night. Triple overtime. It was ugly. It was nasty. It made my stomach hurt. It made the people around me in the room in which I was watching the game really detest my presence, but that's okay because a man who I'm sure was equally caught up in that game on Saturday is here to break it all down. Vivek Jacob, I mean, that's got to rank on the very, very short list of most insane Raptors regular season games, no?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it was nuts. And you look at the way the Raptors played the first three quarters, it was like, okay, here is the vision in full bloom, right? Mm-hmm. The Raptors are doing exactly what they're supposed to in terms of trapping, swarming the basketball, putting, uh, you know, all that, all kinds of ball pressure, and then just getting out uh, as much as they can in transition uh you know even even that lineup that really struggled to start the fourth they were doing things uh you know uh, that early second quarter right with uh delano and pascal and og uh and precious i forget who was the fifth and that was it boucher um mm-hmm. and so a lot to like and in, in those first three quarters and then when like the first three ish minutes of the fourth <laughs> miami was like all right enough of this <laughs> yeah and then, i mean yeah, go ahead and then sorry. yeah i don't know and then i was just gonna say after that it was just all hell broke loose and we were just you know hanging on for our dear lives
0: I'm gonna to go to my grave thinking that at the end of regulation, when Jimmy Butler took too long to get that shot off, that was the end of regulation, right? Not the first overtime. Yeah, it regulation. happened twice. It happened twice. So that's right. Uh, so end of regulation is when
1: that. he couldn't get the shot off.
0: That's when he couldn't get the shot off. He kind of waited too long to get it mm-hmm. up. Uh, and to me. I would go to my grave thinking that he actually wanted to wait too long because he was like, this is a game for sickos, and I, Jimmy Butler, am a sicko. Therefore, we're going to play more of this garbage. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got his wish thrice. Uh, and, and, yeah, just uh, so many different elements of this game to dig into. I suppose the place to really kind of start focusing in is the starting five the the five guys who played a minimum of fifty four minutes? Fred VanVleet, the low man on the minutes list, with fifty four coming back from a knee injury. Will we see him against Atlanta tonight? I don't know. Seems maybe like not the best idea, but we'll see. Uh, Siakam plays fifty seven. Og fifty six. Barnes fifty six. And Gary Trent Jr. fifty six minutes. The defense these dudes played the entire game. Like, yeah, the offense really fell apart in the fourth quarter in overtime. The offense was awful for everybody in the overtimes. Uh, And, you know, after that original heat run to start the fourth quarter, their offense kind of became poo-poo as well. And it's because both defenses were, like, next-level incredible. And the Raptors' defense, I mean, you totally hit on it. This is the vision come to bear. This is why the Raptors have talked themselves into, you know what? we don't necessarily need a center because we're huge anyway. And we have limbs and mobility everywhere. And then we've got Gary Trent Jr. And OG Ananobi is outlets. When Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet see extra attention, you kind of saw all the moving parts of that starting five come together and got you really excited. It got me really excited. I'm sure lots of other people got really excited looking at that and seeing, okay, this is the vision. You get some guys, you get some help around these guys and boy, oh boy, you might be off and running and cooking with some real fire, especially as the, you would assume there's going to be more internal development from guys like Trent and Barnes and OG in particular. It's just a really, really interesting, bizarre collection of players who, when you put them all together, when they're on a string like they were defensively in this one, I don't really know many other teams that can conjure a lineup that that's, that, that's just that horrifying to play against as an opposing offense. Like... You know, for you, when you're sort of plotting out the vision for this team, I know there's been some, you know, misgivings from some folks as, oh, just go get a center, stop playing with the experiment, let's just go play normal people basketball. You know, you, I think you've you wanted to have uh, Kem Burch starting this season, and I think it's a totally reasonable spot to be in to want to have a regular center on the floor. Our pal Sampson Folk has got into depth on this and sort of the skills that bigs bring to the floor are super necessary for healthy offense and just sort of passable basketball the Raptors obviously have got a different thing in mind at the moment that could change at any moment. But for you, did your belief in the Raptors experiment get sort of increased at all after watching a game like this against a really good Miami team? Yes. No Kyle Lowry, but they're still blowing teams away. How did this make you feel just about the general sort of direction of the team with those five guys as clearly the dudes they're building things around?
1: Yeah, I'll answer that question in a second. Uh, You mentioned Kyle Lowry. So just going back to your initial point on Jimmy, uh, Jimmy is exactly the type of dude that would be like, man, Kyle Lowry is probably (laughs) loving this game and hating that he's not a part of it. Let's keep this
0: going. Sicko recognizes Sicko, man. That's the entire, that's heat culture for you, baby. It's just (laughs) a bunch of freaks being freaks and having the platform to do so. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so to answer your question uh I believe you know that that it can be successful uh but I, I still have doubts over the true ceiling uh at sure. which it can be successful right and sure. for me like a very big belief of mine in sports in general uh is that you know championship teams uh the best athletes the best players uh, are like swiss army knives Mm -hmm. and so you have to be able to turn to different things when you need them right uh and and basically you know in case of emergency you can break glass in any type of emergency right sure uh and i think the raptors that's why i would say you need a big right even uh you know you look at this game uh, miami had a 37% offensive rebound rate, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for for all the offensive rebounding we praise of the Raptors, that was (laughs) almost 10% higher uh, than the Raptors offensive rebounding rate. So uh, I think that is still a concern for me. And, uh, you know, there's a sort of a debate to be had in terms of the whole, okay, well, if they could do that, well, playing those five guys together, you add the cushion of know, a, a seven footer of a, a true uh, rim protector then, hmm. or a traditional rim protector, then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't go to triple over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, we learned firsthand back in 2019 that, that like having diversity in the way you can play is going to be the pathway to success. <laughs> Mark All just happened to be that guy. He's like, Oh yeah, now I'm a drop big. Now I'm a hedge big. Now I'm a big who does whatever the hell I damn well please. Cause I'm Mark freaking Gasol. Uh, <laughs> that certainly you know kind of played out and so yeah i've said all along when it comes to the center thing eventually they'll have to get somebody for those specific matchups that you're going to come across in the postseason i just don't necessarily think they're at that inflection point as a franchise right now but hey (laughs) they keep playing like they did on saturday uh maybe we're getting closer to that inflection point than we thought because like those five guys together I just am very very high on the fit I think we saw Scotty Barnes do a lot of interesting things as a defender in this one kind of playing the center role as well and then of course Pascal Siakam if he's going to play defense like he did against the Heat who else? you don't need anybody else back there man he was just like electrifying on that end as much as he was fun to watch on offense and as much as he is the guy who I trust the most when he has the ball in his hands to get a good shot for either him or the team the defense in this one to me was the real takeaway for Siakam. Yes, there were the sort of standout plays, but just like all over the place every single possession, he had his, you know, presence felt in some way shape or form. What were your thoughts on the way Siakam defended in this one? Like it's just a, an absolute masterclass from him.
1: Yeah, it was spectacular. It seemed like he was perfectly, you know, walking that line of, "Hey, I've got to be able to help out in the paint. I've got to be able to Uh, Get back out to the perimeter. Uh, Obviously, you know Raptors fans, and we we can all see that there's still, uh, you know, a concern with the corner threes. Uh, But in terms of
0: executing the, man, I I, I don't (laughs) like them. I don't like him.
1: (laughs) But in terms of executing the scheme that's been given uh, to the team, Pascal Siakam is doing everything that he's supposed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's all you can ask for. And yeah, he's just next level basketball player right now, man. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's spectacular. Like, you know, we have this conversation about, Hey, you know, he's not the prototypical number one guy. Um, But right now I don't think he's a number two guy either. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like he's in very much in that, like 1.5 zone that, you know, maybe you put like a Paul George and maybe you put like an Anthony Davis and that, that type of thing. Well, when Anthony Davis is playing really, really well. <laughs> can't I can't really say that about him this season.
0: <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, you certainly I mean, his defense is very good, but I don't think it's better than Pascal's. And I think when it comes down to uh, you know, all defense and stuff like that, like Siakam's gotta be in the conversation. I don't think there's any question at this point. Like he has just been so all-encompassing. And as much as OG's the on-ball wizard, and as much as Fred is the guy digging down and getting the steals and racking up blocks as a six-foot-tall man. I think Pascal's been their most important and best defender this season, and I think when it comes down to it, as much as the forward position is extremely loaded and it'll be very difficult, I think he's probably going to have the best all-defense case. At least to this point, I think he has the best all-defense case on the team. It's very exciting stuff. And it's also bloody impressive that he was able to maintain that level of defensive dominance while playing 56 freaking minutes. Uh, We're going to dig into, on the other side, the minutes totals, the problems with it, why it's kind of cool and novel also maybe uh but we're also going to dig into whether or not this game kind of was going to force the raptors front office's hand and whether or not they should go and make a move of the deadline to improve there were some rumors yesterday uh posted by doug smith over at the star about goran drogic we'll dig into that that's coming up in just one second here but first Want to tell you, better pals over at Built Bar who make the best tasting protein bars in the world. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you're like me and you're using January or February to kind of wean off of the holiday eating that you went on, then I highly recommend Built Bar to help you get there. They make it feel like you're being indulgent without actually being indulgent. That is the best way to distill it all down. They give you the protein you need to get through the day, get through a workout, whatever it might be. They give you that sweet candy bar feeling that you want when you're really, really craving something sweet, but they don't have the bad stuff that comes along with it. Your regular built Bar is going to contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Contrast that with the regular candy bar that has about 240 calories as a baseline along with 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs. It's just not what you need. You need Built Bar, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. There's tons of flavors to choose from. You can get a mixed box, you can get a single flavor box, or you can wait and try to find those limited-time flavors that pop up on the site from time to time as well. Valentine's Day is just a couple weeks away. There will surely be some Valentine's-themed treats available over at Built.com. So go check them out. Use the promo code LOCKED15, once again, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Go check them out. All right, we continue on here with your Monday edition of Locked on Raptors and the minutes, Big V. Got to talk about the minutes. We've already talked about the minutes a little bit, but let's dig further into the concern that those high minutes totals might be engendering in the various quarters of Raptors fandom. I think it's understandable to be concerned. You saw Fred VanVleet, who was questionable for this game on Saturday with a knee thing, play 56 minutes was clearly hobbled and labored in the back part of the game everyone was hobbled and labored i'm sure because they were 50 plus minutes into the game and of course it didn't stop him from hitting all of the dagger threes that he had missed throughout the game all staved up for the back part of overtime and it was incredible to watch but the minutes are high you saw scotty barnes play again 50 plus minutes dealing with a hamstring thing recently a hand thing the knee thing and ankle like he seems like he's been banged up all over the place and then, of course, Gary Trent Jr. just getting back from the ankle as well. Pascal Siakam like, had shoulder surgery like eight months ago and is doing this thing. Like, OG's been hurt. All these guys have taken their knocks, and it just seems like Nick Nurse is going to keep on trusting them. And, like, for good reason. They're playing incredibly good basketball right now. But, you know, we've talked around it. Of course, the deadline is coming up uh, actually like 10 days away from now. It's a big time. It's a but kind of an interesting sort of inflection point for the direction of the franchise in a lot of ways. Did this game, do you think really just kind of forced a hand? It kind of proved to the front office, Hey, these guys are good enough to bet on making a run by adding to these guys. Maybe it takes out of your future coffers a little bit, but it's worth it right now to ensure these guys aren't <clears throat> running themselves ragged in the pursuit of a barely above 500 record. Go get them some help and maybe this thing can kind of take off with these five guys that we've basically staked our entire reputation on. Uh, do you think this game has forced a hand?
1: I think so. I think yeah. uh, <clears throat> it might have even forced the hand to, uh, in terms of the extent to which they try to help this group, right? Sure. And When you look at this being the first time uh, in the NBA shot clock era that <laughs> <you've> got five <laughs> players logging over 50 minutes, I mean mm-hmm. – I think that says it all. You have to get this team some help. They've earned it uh, mm-hmm. with their play uh, and how hard they play. Uh, and, you know, Fred VanVleet, you said it. Uh, there were times in that game, th- the way some of the calls were going, uh, the way s- the momentum had shifted at times, they could have packed it in, they could have mailed it in mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't. And and so I think you do owe, owe it to this uh, starting five to get them some help uh I think you know for me at this point in the season i would not be counting on cambridge to be there right yeah uh I, that's that's just been the way the season has gone for him it sucks mm-hmm. it's unfortunate uh but I think that's how you have to look at the remainder of the season uh and plan accordingly and so uh i think it'll be very interesting to see how much they look to help this team I saw will Lou in his, uh, Ten things compared to you know maybe a 2017 situation of getting Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and you know I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I think the one thing for sure you have to look at is understand that the way Fred is looking right now and all the minutes that he's giving you, you absolutely mm-hmm. do not want a 2015 playoffs where you know Kyle Lowry is just completely uh, toast uh, yeah. by, by that series
0: yeah i i agree i think you know i've been pro adding at the deadline all along and this only kind of stamped home my belief in that being the the way that they should go yeah first round picks it's scary to trade them yada 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 at this point like their first round pick this year is not going to be terribly high yes there's a chance i suppose they fall into the lottery and and, you know there's some like wistful luck to be had but like Banking on lottery odds, hate it, sucks, it's terrible and it's not fun, it's not an enjoyable way to consume a basketball team, to watch a basketball team, to experience a basketball team, no thank you, and they're clearly too good to be that bad anyway, like their top five guys are really excellent, and you would think it stands to reason that if you added guys who could support those five guys they would have the platform to take off even further, as opposed to being so overburdened, as opposed to having so many minutes and so much responsibility heaped onto their shoulders. If you spread the load a little bit, you're probably going to get a better version of these guys as well. So that's why I've been totally on board with the idea of attaching a first-round pick to Goran Dragic to bring in a player who can help not just this year, but next year, I think it's really important to have somebody on the roster who can space the floor and offer a little bit more of, say, what Gary Trent Jr. offers to the team. That's why Eric Gordon's been a guy that I've been super sort of interested in and, and excited about. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're too good, I think. And to me, you know, I've, I've made this comparison before, but like the 2014 Blue Jays of the team I've thought about a lot here, that was a team that wasn't really ready to contend just yet. They were still a year away from that 2015 run But the deadline came around and Jose Bautista was like, can we get some help, please? Like, we have a pretty good group here. Can we get some help? They didn't do anything at the deadline. And that pissed the guys off. And Jose Bautista was displeased with the lack of action. I think, yeah, it's got to be deflating to think, hey, I'm Fred VanVleet. I'm Pascal Siakam. I'm playing my ass off. I'm playing 50-minute games. I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm both the most important offensive and defensive player for the Raptors at times. And it's got to be deflating to think the deadline could pass without any sort of assistance and they've kind of been consigned to this all right well you're gonna be playing 39 minutes a game for the rest of the year have fun good luck hopefully you can drag the team to you know a 43 win season or whatever i just don't think that's a fair place to put those guys in and i don't think you're at risk of like jeopardizing or sewering your future if you part with a first round pick to the player that i'm worried about it like where are you at with the first round pick it was floated yesterday uh, it's been floated a little bit. Michael Grange, I think, floated this last week. Uh, Doug Smith wrote in The Star that Goran Dragic is garnering a lot of interest, and the Raptors are looking to see what they can attach to him to see what they can bring back in return. Of course, it's $19 million bucks. There's a lot of money there that you could potentially match. Where are you at with like the idea of this year's first-round pick, a future first-round pick? Like, Is that on the table for you? Because for some people, that's a deal-breaker. For me, I think picks are fake. Get real people in, and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I think it's all about the compensation, right? And so yeah. if if Goran Dragic plus a first-round pick gets you someone that, as you said, not only helps for the remainder of the season, but you can see a future with as well, mm-hmm. uh, then I think I'm all for it. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, Masai says all the time, it's like, we are always looking to make our team better. Mm-hmm. And so they will evaluate the deals. I mean, Masai is not one to do, Bad trades. So, if there's if there's a deal uh, that helps the team uh, now and going forward, I think he will do it. And I think, uh, you know, in terms of what the needs are, maybe that's something we can talk about in terms of how they prioritize it. But yeah, uh, I do think for sure, uh, you know, if if a first round pick is what gets them the the type of help that they need, then no question for me that uh, you're willing to part with it.
0: Yeah, because like, I don't know, my my worst fear is that you burn this crew out without getting them some help. And then, you know, I'm not saying this is their last chance or anything like that. That would be absurd to say. But like, you know, you don't want to run up the odometer too much for guys when even more so like this isn't the year where you're going to compete. Why are you playing them as though they are guys who are on a championship team that you've paired the rotation down for? Get them some help so they can like have some miles reserved for when things actually start to move into motion as far as their competitive window goes it's kind of how i'm seeing it i know again people out there will get like oh the picks though the picks don't beat sam prestes about this come on uh (laughs) (laughs) Sam Presti is like horny for picks and it's, it's been his entire downfall. So, you know, that that, that's always going to be my kind of view on that though. Um, Shall we? Yeah. You mentioned let's rank the needs. How about that? We've talked about the needs. I think it's kind of clear. There's probably three different things that you could look at. Um, you know, a center of some kind is certainly, especially if Ken Burch is someone we can't rely on. And yeah, certainly adding another center to the mix would be helpful for those specific matchups. Uh, I have been on the train of get some wing shooting, please. You know, Gary Trent Jr. is like the most important player to the Raptors offense right now, like in terms of his on-off net rating, get a similar kind of guy that might actually help you uh <laughs> with your second unit problems and whatnot, you would think. Uh, And then of course, like a, ball handler a backup point guard perhaps you know I think that's been a lesser concern of mine because Pascal Siakam's so damn good at it but certainly something that a lot of people have been wanting to see so for you Big V what's rank them one two three one being the biggest need what do you got as far as Raptors and maybe I left the need off as well and you want to throw something in there
1: no I think you've I think you've got them. Uh, I would probably put playmaking uh, as number one because I do think uh protecting Fred Van Vliet would be my number one priority I think he's a imp- really important asset for the franchise going forward. Uh, so I, I would do, and yeah, I do have a little bit of, of PTSD from that Wizard series as well. But, <laughs> so it's, I mean, I'm not, is Lou Williams
0: <clears throat> available? Let's just run it back, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, get, getting uh, a playmaker, getting someone at that guard spot that can pick up some minutes there, I think would be really important. Uh, you know, I think the need for a big is important, but mm-hmm. the theoretical return of Kem Birch at least, you know, quells that a little bit in terms of saying, okay, you know, there's potential for this to be addressed. When you look sure. at the Fred Van Vliet situation, it's like, okay, are we really gonna give Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn uh minutes at this point? No. So mm-hmm. uh nothing nothing substantial anyway. So uh yeah, I I think that is that would be uh, number one on my list. Uh, then I probably go. Actually, you know, then I probably go shooting. Uh, uh, you know, some volume three point shooting, and then I would probably go big. Interesting, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I go volume wing shooting just to offer another similar element to what you get with Gary Trenture. You're probably not going to get the same thing because that dude has the cojones of uh, the man who invented cojones. Like I don't know, if he's the, the original cojone purveyor. Like that guy rocks, and you're not going to find someone as brazen with the shot making that he has. But if you can find somebody who can be a guy who can be a, a guy who can spell him in the second unit, or Play with Gary Trent Jr. multiple shooters on the floor. Anybody, how does that sound? Like, I, I think that to me is the way I would uh, rank it them first, uh, you know, a shooting wing first. And then for me, I guess a backup point guard, probably second. I'm just so happy with Pascal as the backup point guard. I feel like there's a way to work the rotation where Fred's not playing 7,000 minutes and also Pascal gets to be the main backup guard maybe that's wishful thinking maybe that's putting uh, too much faith in nick nurse to figure things out but um that i think it's less of a need because like you're not going to get anybody who i would prefer on the ball than pascal siakam so that's why it's a little bit lower down for me um but the big one you know as i've talked about i'm a little bit less concerned about that time wise eventually yeah they can get yakup and lonnie walker great that's awesome but i uh, and actually that's going to be a podcast we do later this week but um yeah i, I think that's uh, sort of where i would slot in my personal power rankings of the needs big v we're going to wrap up the show in just a second here we're going to come back we're going to talk about the dude to the game dig into uh, a man who really really grinded his way to being the hero of that game on Saturday. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, just want to tell you that we have a trade deadline show planned for Locked On at Locked On NBA's YouTube page next Thursday from 2 to 4 Eastern. We'll have a wonderful panel. John Corrales, Josh Lloyd, and a bunch of guests will be popping in there to talk about the deadline as it all unfolds next Thursday. So get ready for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Go subscribe to the Locked On NBA YouTube page pronto.
1: Part of the locked on podcast
0: network, your team every day. All right, Big V, let's round out. Due to the game time, I so I have one logged (laughs) locked and loaded already with my graphic prepared here, Big V. But I do think there's maybe some room for debate on this one because look, there's no bench guy getting in here. I think if you play, if you don't play 50 plus minutes in that game, then you probably aren't a due to the game candidate because uh, boy, oh boy, those five guys were all dudes in their own ways um i originally had one guy here i think there's a case for another guy i think it's fred van vliet is my due to the game but i do think there's a case for og and Anobi. so we'll officially give it to fred but we should talk about og in a second either way fred van vliet in this one goes for 19 points eight assists four boards seven to 22 shooting five of 14 from downtown most of that coming late in this one as he kind of came alive after overtime began you know, that just like persistent knee swelling really just kind of got to his brain. and was like, you know what? I got to knock these down to get the hell out of here or something. Uh Thoughts on Fred Van Vliet's game, the due to the game performance where he grinds through it until he eventually comes through. The only way only Fred Van Vliet can, which is with, you know, 32 foot bombs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's impressive that he has that level of confidence, right? Where he, yeah. he's he can struggle all night and then all of a sudden you're down one uh, in overtime and he can just pull up and be like, all right, two point lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for coming guys. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think Fred Van Vliet, uh, the one thing you love about all these guys is no matter what the degree of struggle is on the offensive end, defensively, mm-hmm. they're pluses and they're going to find a way to keep themselves on the floor, keep competing. Um, You know, I've said this kind of the biggest sort of legacy of Kyle Lowry, right? That you have all these two way guys that have a serious (laughs) commitment uh, to winning on both ends of the floor. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I think obviously Fred Van Vliet really embodies that Uh, an OG and an OB. I think you talk about those two stops on Jimmy Butler, one at the end of regulation, one, uh, at the end of the first overtime period, uh, knocked down some important shots. Uh, he almost had a big tip in, almost had a big fadeaway that could have won the game, uh, mm-hmm. after kind of bobbling the ball a little bit. Um, unfortunately got called for that phantom, uh, travel, mm. but you know, overall, I think OG, uh, is also, you know, coming into his own, uh, and Hopefully the three point shooting really gets back up there, right? That's probably been the one thing this season that's been off, and uh, if if that just means he's going to be on a heater
0: uh, the rest of the way, then (laughs) it's going to be much needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think Fred wins it, but OG was a very close second. It's weird to say. Scotty too. I will say that. I mean, Scotty was great too. The garbage buckets he put together were actually like super vital to the team having enough offensive juice to survive he was the only guy in the starting five he shot better than 50 percent as well like he was like quietly extremely solid in this one that's a good pull Um, and the irony of like no one being able to make a free throw
1: to start the game and then you have scotty and pascal knocking down these big free throws at the
0: end yeah (laughs) i mean the scotty free throws he hit like totally ice in his veins like I don't think I expected him to hit them. I've I've just assumed free throws are gonna be like the downfall of, of this team for weeks now. Uh, it was really, really great to see those two guys in particular who've had their moments of struggle from the line come through. Uh I'm doing a thing, unprecedented thing here on the podcast, Big V. We've been talking through. We've mentioned Scotty, we've mentioned OG. I'm just changing it up. Uh, the dude of the game is all five starters. It's been officially changed canon it's i'm sorry i'm just i can't pick one i keep wanting to go and sort of shout out either like we had talked about c occam's defensive game dude almost had a five by five like that's dude stuff um you know gary trent jr the offense that he provides just so badass just constantly it's always gary trent jr time and he knows it and it's fantastic um you know we mentioned og i thought og in addition to his defense and i was gonna say there It's weird to say that a guy who scored 37, 14, and 10 on 14 of 26 shooting and Jimmy Butler was defended well, but I thought the Raptors defended him pretty well in this game, all things considered. He's just really freaking good, Uh, and OG was a big part of that in some big moments, and I thought OG's shot-making late was pretty big too. He had a couple mid-rangers that he kind of busted out, and those any buckets you could get in that overtime was just like an absolute godsend, and so uh, shout out to OG for that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I wanted to confine this to just one single starter. Do you think I have a corrected course here by just giving it to all five guys?
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, heck, you, you could give it to no, you could give it to Nick Nurse too. You could throw him yeah. in there. Um, yeah, I mean, he oh, looked pretty exhausted we, we by just... the end
0: of that game. The clip flowing around there, I felt tired looking at him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that, cl- that clip, yeah, of him watching Pascal <laughs> shoot the free throw was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, those rhinestones, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe he deserves to do to the game for that alone. Uh, but he deserves yeah, to do to the
0: game for his Murdoch Mysteries appearance, which apparently was terrible.
1: <laughs> oh wow! Well, I guess we'll see.
0: We'll see. I, I, I yeah. believe that's on uh, later tonight. But, I think it aired yeah, over the it, weekend, I think, but I could be wrong. I saw a clip floating around there of him in an old timey cap and a sweater vest of some kind talking to the Murdoch Mysteries guy. Um, well, I saw CBC yeah. put out like some type of teaser. So oh that's what it, it was, what it was. yeah yeah. yeah. we're um, gonna do a full review of this on the podcast at some point soon here yeah for <laughs> sure but
1: yeah i don't think uh, i don't think that's a bad decision at all to give it to all of them
0: yeah uh all right well that's gonna do it for today's episode of the podcast thank you everyone for tuning in hope you enjoyed the game as much as we did uh and if you were thinking man those guys played a lot of basketball i hope they have some rest Too bad, because they play four games in the next five nights. Hawks tonight, Heat tomorrow night, and then I'm confused on the order because they just play the same four teams they just played in some different order coming up. Uh, So they're uh, playing Thursday and Friday this week as well. It's uh, it's a lot, and so hopefully we get some uh, you know, good word on the health of all these guys. Hopefully no one's sitting, although maybe it's for the best if somebody does for tonight's game or whatever. Uh, but either way, we will have them broken down all week long for you here on the podcast. A very game-heavy week, which is a lot of fun. We love talking about games and handed out dudes at the game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Big V, thank you so much for being here, as always, on a Monday. Where can people check out all your wonderful work and anything in particular you would like to plug?
1: Uh, usual spots, Raptors.com, CBC Sports. Uh, I did a story, obviously, on that triple overtime classic. I did a recent story on Gary Trent Jr. as well, so you can check that out. Uh, Besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob, but I will quickly say, you know, over the past season, I think we've all had some uh, negative things, not, not so kind things to say about Aaron Baines, but uh, very yeah. happy to see that, uh, he is well on the road to recovery and potentially making a return to the NBA uh, next season. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, wishing nothing but good things for him
0: and his family. Yeah, it's a really good one you brought up. Go read the Brian Wienhorst story about what he's gone through since the Olympics. Just an absolute horror story uh, and wishing the best uh, for Aaron Baines, of course. And yeah, I would also go recommend reading Katie Heindel's piece on Basketball Feelings about the sort of way that we kind of assign sports hatred to certain players and the problems with that and how Aaron Baines kind of brings all that to light. Uh, go read Katie Heindel as always, Basketball Feelings. Go read Vivek, wherever Vivek is sold. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wherever my mech articles are sold uh yeah, yeah raptors.com etc etc olympic v will surely be on tap very soon here as well as i guess the opening ceremonies are on friday oh baby we're gonna watch some cross-country skiing i can't wait uh anyway that's gonna do it we will talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On raptors breaking down raptors hawks until then bye bye